Hi, I'm Dave Hobbs, and welcome to the Delphi Auto Parts Cast. On behalf of Delphi Technologies, thank you for tuning in and listening to this program. We're going to give you information today on hybrid electric vehicles, tips and tricks on servicing them in the shop. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, where hybrids have been and where they're going. We'll get in some technology and some diagnostic tips that will help you when you encounter these vehicles, know what you're doing, be safe working on them, and have accurate diagnostics. First off, let's talk a little bit about where we've been in the hybrid world. Hybrids came to the U.S. in about 1999 with the Honda Insight, that little two-seater hatchback that had a three-cylinder engine and a 144-volt battery pack in the back, along with the power electronics. We'll cover what the heck power electronics are coming up. Now, that vehicle was uh, countered with the Toyota Prius, which really has been four generations of Prius. And we want to talk a little bit more about Priuses and the other vehicles because they comprise about half of the hybrid market, one of the four Prius families. So the first family, Generation 1, started in 2001. It had a trunk, and it looked like maybe a Toyota Echo it, to me, kind of reminded me of that. It had a four-cylinder engine and a 273-volt battery pack. It went from 01 to 03 looking like that. And then the Prius we know now with the hatchback design, that moved through three more generations, starting generation two in 04 up to 09. I actually had an 04 myself personally and learned a lot. Bought the car deliberately just to learn to work on it so I could be a trainer for you guys and gals out there in the field wrenching on hybrids. And 010, that's when the hybrid Prius went to the uh, the Generation 3, and it was went actually a little lower voltage, about 220 or so volts in the battery pack. And then Generation 4 came around in 2016 uh, using a lithium-ion battery pack. Nickel-metal hydride battery packs are pretty much what's out there in the aftermarket as far as older vehicles with lithium-ion moving forward in the last few years. Now, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about what hybrids are. Essentially, it's a gasoline engine. Could be a diesel, but everything I see today is gasoline. And let's have heavy-duty equipment because hybrids aren't just restricted to cars. Hybrids are also actually in tractors and trucks and other vehicles. So it's not just a car thing and certainly not a fad. As we move forward, Delphi Technology is going to be a leader in the 48-volt systems that you're going to be see coming into your bay before you know it. 48 volts won't be three, four 12-volt batteries added together. It's going to be a dedicated 48-volt lithium-ion battery pack. Now, what are hybrids comprised of? Besides the gasoline engine, you have, of course, electric propulsion. And the electric propulsion has anywheres from the most complicated and high-voltage systems, let's say a 330-volt Ford Escape SUV, down to the little 42-volt systems that you'll see in some of the General Motors belt alternator starter applications, where they literally do have three 12-volt AGM batteries hooked in series and a small battery pack in the back of the vehicle. So hybrids range in voltages up and down the scale, what we call mild hybrid, which does, the, let's say, a lower voltage, 42, and soon to come, 48 volts. And those vehicles don't do a lot of propulsion with the engine off. In fact, most of the earlier ones that you're working on now, you will not have that uh, engine off saving fuel, which is the whole idea of hybrids when you're moving forward. You have the engine off only for idle stop mode when you're sitting still. However, that 42 volt 
And the newer belt alternator starter units that I see, like the, my personal car again, I own a second hybrid, a 2013 Chevy Malibu Eco, which is what GM called the E-Assist, where it's a belt alternator starter. That alternator reminds me of a big Lease Neville school bus alternator from years ago, but it's cooled by coolant. And it puts out three-phase 130 volts of AC. All the motor generators and hybrids that you'll run into, folks, are AC, alternating current machines. So whether they are built into the transmission, transaxle, or whether they're hanging on the front of the engine like the conventional alternator, if you see three big cables, blue for intermediate range of voltage like 42 volt, the earlier BAS belt alternator starter GM like the Saturn View and the Chevy Malibus, Saturn Aura, those were the intermediate. That the blue cables, the orange cables designate potential injury or even death from electrocution if you don't use proper safety. So orange cables, beware. Now, I don't want this next 20 minutes or so of this parts cast to be a don't touch this or don't touch that kind of a program. On the contrary, you do have to touch these things when you do service, when you R&R &R a transmission, when you change a battery pack, when you change even an AC compressor in a lot of cases, there's orange cables abounding, not to mention the power electronics. So Anything that's orange cable and even blue cable, General Motors wants you to wear the Class Zero 1000 volt safety gloves. Now, don't go for double ot. Uh, two zeros, not sufficient. You need one zero. The higher the number, the Class Four, Class Six, and so forth, the more insulation you have. But you don't need any higher than Class Zero 1000 volt gloves. Make sure you roll them up to see if they hold air, or better yet, blow in them like a balloon. See if they'll hold air, and also visually check them for any flaws, any dry rot, anything like that. Because even a pinhole, in the case of a high-voltage flashover, the electricity will find that pinhole and go right to you, causing injury. Now, besides defibrillation of the heart, which is, you know, your electrocution, your heart stops, there is sometimes an entry and exit wound, just like with a lightning strike. And more commonly with electrical shock, there is burns. And the burns work from the inside out. We're used to getting burned, like maybe you hit a hot manifold or a bolt that you've used a torch on. It's not cherry red anymore, but it sure is hot. You get a second degree burn, maybe even a third degree burn. These are from the inside out, so oftentimes amputation is required at the emergency room. So this is nasty stuff. That's why we use, when working on the high-voltage components of the car, and only the high-voltage, in other words, if you're doing a turn signal switch, a water pump, or you're putting a radio in the dash, you don't have to worry about the high-voltage gloves or any kind of a power-down procedure. But if you're working on the high-voltage procedures or parts of the car, you certainly need to follow the OEM safety precautions, the OEM power-down procedures, and wear the Class Zero 1,000-volt gloves. Get those gloves tested, by the way, every six months uh, professionally where you send them off. $10, $15, $20, somewhere around in there is what they typically charge. If they find a bad glove with their more enhanced testing procedures, they'll let you know and see if you want to buy a new glove replacement. The gloves themselves are not expensive. Uh, the leather shell protects the glove and makes sure that leather shell is not used for anything else other than protecting those hybrid gloves. And the rubber insert of the gloves protects you. And then put the whole set of the leather shells and the rubber gloves in the canvas bag they came in so get a kit when you get the hybrid glove system 
and keep that uh, kit away from any kind of damage, you know, banging around impact tools or whatever in the bottom of your toolbox. So keep them, keep them nice, safe, and dry. And you want to work on the hybrid vehicles in a very safe and dry location and maybe even have some kind of a warning sign, caution tape, or whatever if you do, let's say, pull a battery pack out of a vehicle and put it on top of a workbench. So that's a little bit about safety. Beyond safety, let's talk about the technology of these vehicles. Every hybrid's got a 12-volt, what they call an auxiliary battery in some cases, and every hybrid has a higher-voltage battery pack. And Delphi's been involved with monitoring Delphi uh, battery packs. Uh, Delphi's been involved with uh, power electronics, which next component we'll talk about would be the inverters and converters. Inverters are just like those things you plug in the cigarette lighter that produce AC, let's say for a laptop charger or something like that, only on a bigger scale. Inverters change DC to AC. Only instead of changing 12 volts from your cigarette lighter plug up to say 110 of AC, they change higher voltages, whether it be 48, 100, 200, 144, 158, 220, 270, 330, they're all over the place, changes that level of high voltage DC to a high voltage AC. And it's three phase, unlike what we have in a normal wall socket in a residence or even light, light industry. This is three phase like you'd have on a large compressor or maybe even a, uh, a a power wheel balancer, some of the larger machines in industry, including some larger repair shops, like if your repair shop was a former dealership, oftentimes 340, three phase 440 volts is in those type of environments. And that basically is what you have in a hybrid, high voltage, high current, and three phase of AC. DC is just as hazardous, if not more at times, than the AC if it's above 60 volts. For AC, the magic number to be cautious for burns, electrocution, injury, even death, 30 volts or higher on AC, 60 volts or higher on the AC. So DC is, is 60 volts, AC is 30 volts. Now, that being said, inverters, back to our categories of components, inverters change AC to DC, they also change DC to AC. So they work backwards. Uh, you'll have AC produced by the motor generator when it, the engine's running or when you are moving down the road and your foot is not on the gas pedal. It's on the brake or even coasting. You are doing regenerative braking. You're making alternating current. Inverters change that. They rectify it back to DC. And then to get the AC to begin with, to make that electric motor generator into a motor, we turn the DC of the battery pack, which is high voltage, into high voltage AC, three-phase AC. So those are the major components, motor generators, high-voltage battery pack, and the power electronics, the inverters and converters. That being said, let's talk a little bit, a little, a little primer on the power-down procedure that will not circumvent or um, overrule the factory. Always, always, always follow your car manufacturer's OEM procedures for anything on the vehicle from bumper to bumper, including a power down procedure for the high voltage system prior to service. But as a extra step or two, I will give you a five step process that I guarantee you is going to be a safe process. It probably give you a couple more steps than what the OEM would do. But if in doubt, use the OEM procedure. Here's the five step process. And if you got a pen handy, you might make notes about this because 
these are going to be done in a proper order. You can't do them in any nilly-willy order. you got to do it in this order I'm going to give you. The first thing you do on any hybrid, whether it's got a smart power button, one of those, 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 those uh, keyless entry type of systems where you just hit the push button, or a key, a regular old ignition switch, you stick a key in and turn it. You turn the key off or hit the power button to get the vehicle off. That's the first step. Now, also, remove the key and or key fob. Now, on a lot of vehicles, you have those like Priuses, for example, and any other Toyota, Nissan, or Lexus product for that matter. Those smart power buttons, you may have a fob in the vehicle somewhere, maybe in the console, and somebody could inadvertently, although you've removed the first fob out of it, somebody like the service rider could move into the vehicle and inadvertently put their foot on the brake, and hit the power button, maybe to say to get the odometer reading for an RO, you want to make sure there's not a second key in the car, a second fob. So when the first fob is removed, put on your toolbox, let's say, for example, a few feet from the car. You don't have to get it 100 feet or anything, just a few feet from the car. Get back in the vehicle, hit the brake pedal again, and hit that power button. If you see the words key not detected, thumbs up, you're good. You've got it off and nobody can turn it back on unless they get that key from you, all right? Or that fob from you. But if you if it powers back up, you're going to have to make sure you find that hidden key fob. It may even be uh, uh, that it's, you know, it, it's in the glove box. Who knows where it is? It could be in the, in the customer's uh, backpack in the back seat. All it's got to do is be in the passenger compartment and that vehicle could power up. So get that other key fob located and removed from the vehicle as well. Once you've got the key or fob out, the vehicle's powered down. Let's say the ignition is off in conventional terminology. Next thing you want to do is you want to make sure you take the 12-volt battery cable off. Now, that's an extra step I like to add in there for this reason. Those items that are high voltage, the battery pack, the inverter, the converter, they shut down when the battery cable is disconnected. Now the reason you want to do the key first and then the battery cable disconnect from the 12 volt battery. So this is called an auxiliary battery in some cars, but you'll recognize a 12 volt battery when you see it. It may be in the trunk, in the hatch, maybe under the hood. It's irrelevant. Get the cable off after the key is off. The reason I say this, another component, I didn't mention what it did, but the DC to DC converter, I'll mention it now, it is the replacement for an alternator, but it's solid state and it works whether the engine's running or not. So typically DC to DC converters are mounted on top of or below the inverter. In the case of Fords, a lot of times they're mounted separately off to the side. Let's say on the Ford Fusions and the Ford Escapes, Mercury Mariners, they are mounted on the right fender area and the inverter is mounted on top of the transaxle. That DC to DC converter's job is to basically be a solid state alternator. It produces the 14 volts, 13 and a half, 14 and a half, whatever, charging voltage for the 12 volt auxiliary battery and also for all the many accessories, which comprise like 90, 95% of the vehicle's electrical system. It's still conventional 12 volt system. So the alternator's job was to keep up with accessories and charge that 12-volt battery. Well, now the DC to DC converter using solid-state components, insulated gate bipolar transistors, IGBTs, change the high-voltage side of the system in DC, like say from the battery pack or from the inverter, 
output of the inverter into a lower voltage DC, kind of like the alternator does. That component will work with the battery cable disconnected. I mean, if you do that with an alternator, you're going to be seeing high voltages from that alternator if the battery cable's pulled off that battery post and maybe wrecking the alternator, even maybe blowing headlights out with too much voltage. That doesn't happen with a hybrid. When you take that 12-volt battery cable off while the engine's running or the engine could be in auto-stop mode to save fuel, but the high-voltage system is still operational. So it's on, in other words, the engine's in the run position or the vehicle's in the run position. You take the 12-volt battery cable off, you're still seeing right there on the cable, you're still seeing 14 volts. Engine off or on. It's an eye-opener when you see that. So you want to make sure the ignition's off first and then the 12-volt battery cable's removed. The reason I want you to do the extra step of pulling the 12-volt battery cable off is because nobody then can inadvertently get a key and power that system back up while you're not looking, making it potentially unsafe for you to work on the high-voltage system if the 12-volt battery cable is disconnected. So get it disconnected. Pull the ground cable off the post, and you should be good. Somebody can slide in that car now, put their foot on the brake pedal, hit that power button on that Prius, and nothing's going to happen because without 12 volts present for that auxiliary battery, no modules are going to wake up and no relays or contactors, as they're sometimes called, in that battery pack are going to connect the high voltage within the battery pack to the orange cables that lead to the front of the vehicle, to the inverter and converter where they're typically mounted in most applications. So having said step number two, we're going to go into step number three. Step number three is to locate and remove or switch off the high voltage hybrid service disconnect. On Hondas, it's unique. It actually looks like a breaker in a breaker box, and it's always on the battery pack. You may have to lift the hatch, pull a spare tire out of a, we'll say, uh, a, a later model generation to Honda Insight uh, on, let's say, a sedan like, an in, like a, a Civic or an Accord. You may have to pull the back seat cushion out and take the back seat back off and take a couple little screws out of a little a small uh, plate about four inches diameter and there's a switch in there that looks like a breaker put on your high voltage class zero 1000 volt gloves and the shells protect the gloves and switch that switch off if it's a gm or ford or or toyota it's an orange plug that you physically extend and ratchet out, unlatch, and remove, physically remove it. So there's information if you go to OEM One Stop and click on that manufacturer, let's say Toyota, for example, and then the next page you'll see you have a choice between collision, mechanical, and hybrid. Click on hybrid, that's the dismantlers and first responder guides. Oftentimes the location of that plug is in that free to access uh, hybrid first responder slash dismantlers guide like for recycling yards and so forth. Also it should be in your aftermarket service information and also obviously in the OEM service information from a paid website like the uh, Toyota TIS and things like that. So visit your service manual Find that orange plug. I will tell you where it will be guaranteed. It's going to be on the battery pack. So you got to find the battery pack, which typically is the trunk. Uh, in the case of the Chevy Volt, it is a little different place, kind of a little less uh, conventional. It's in the console. 
So you take like a little tray out of the console that kind of hides it, and it's underneath this little piece of white material. It's an orange plug. You squeeze it and you pull it out. So whether you squeeze, twist, or unlatch and pull it out, get the high-voltage service plug removed. What that does, it cuts the battery voltage within the battery pack in half. Now, if you think about what I said earlier, 60 volts and higher AC or DC, 30 volts or higher AC, any battery pack, let's say it's 200 volts or 300 volts, you cut the battery voltage in half, it's still going to be a hazard, but only within inside the battery pack. The battery pack will not have the contactors or service relays, SMRs in Toyota speak, they will not turn on if the modules, number one, have 12-volt power. If they don't have 12-volt power, they won't turn on. And they also won't turn on, even if the 12-volt battery is reconnected, if the battery voltage within the pack is only half voltage. So it's another safety pull on that plug. So I will repeat, it does not make the inside of the battery pack safe. That's still a dangerous or hazardous area. So you wouldn't want to take the battery pack out of the vehicle and remove the lid on the workbench per se and say, well, I pulled that orange plug out. I should be able to take these big heavy gloves off and touch things. Nope, you'll still have half battery voltage at max inside the battery pack but you won't have any battery, high voltage battery power going forward to the orange cables that go underneath the car to components under the hood. That should, I said should, shut down. The second, or the, the fourth item on my list of the five surefire steps to powering down a hybrid to work on them in safety is the wait period. I would say five to 10 minutes, go get a cup of coffee, write up a repair order, talk to a customer, whatever, but give the capacitors that are connected on the DC bus, the high-voltage DC bus, typically in the inverter, a chance to power down, to drain off. Now, they should drain off within a second. I personally measured them on Toyota. It's less than a second. And I personally measured them on some older Hondas, 45 seconds. However, the capacitors could possibly not drain off through the fast drain circuit that's built into the inverters because there's an issue. So there's a slow drain circuit that actually will take maybe several minutes. It's a backup to the fast drain of these capacitors. So capacitors stay charged up. They have high voltage. It's not like a capacitor that maybe you got bit by when you were a young technician, if you're old as me, back in the days of points and condensers. Condensers were really just capacitors. This is going to be a much higher voltage and more potential for injury or even death. So you want to make sure you give a certain wait time, 5 or 10 minutes. And then the fifth step is I call the testing mode Live Dead Live. Live Dead Live is where you take a component lid off, an access point, wearing the high voltage safety gloves. And let's just say you're removing a transaxle and you've got to get two connections with three cables each off of the inverter to remove that transaxle. Well, you got to take a, a cover off to get to those cable connections. you got to get a ratchet out and so forth and the socket to take those nuts off. You're going to go ahead and measure the voltages there, both the DC feeds to the inverter and the AC outputs. Measure between chassis ground and each lead. Measure between each lead, let's say positive high voltage battery pack input and negative. Measure between those two leads and if you see no voltage, 
That's great. But what you're going to do is you're going to double check your meter. That's why I call it live dead live. You're going to go to a known good voltage source. Let's say a 12 volt battery in the vehicle. Take your meter, make sure it says 12 volts. Make sure you have the lead set up, the connections are okay, the meter's fine. The next step, you're going to then go to the item in question. Is the inverter connection, is the high voltage DC cables going into that inverter, are they dead or are they live? Now you put the meter there and you'll go through the ranges of DC voltage. Push that auto range button several times or if you have a manual ranging meter, go through the different ranges of DC volts. Make sure there's no voltage. If it's zero, great. Double check your meter once again. The live dead live. Go back to that 12 volt battery. Make sure it says 12 volts on the meter. Now you can trust the meter. It's told you indeed the voltage is not there at that component. You can now take those sweaty, heavy, high voltage safety gloves off and perform the rest of your R&R procedure because you have verified through the five steps, including the last one, the live dead live testing with the meter, that the item in question that you're working with is no longer powered up, has no voltage that could hurt you. All right, so there are some safety tips, some technology uh, mentions. I want to also talk a little bit about some easy-to-do diagnostics. Sometimes uh, you can have an issue or you have a P0A0D. Now, you know if it's a P code, it's powertrain, and if it's a zero for the first digit, it's generic. So any hybrid could have this code. P0A0D, if you look it up, says high voltage interlock circuit voltage high. Now, what does that mean? Almost sounds like it's one of those orange cable type topic. It's high voltage. No, it's a high voltage watchdog circuit. The actual circuit itself, though, is low voltage. It's 12. That circuit basically goes to, on some hybrids, the service plug. When you extend it before you unlatch it, it opens a 12 volt circuit that was low voltage. And now it's 12 volts. Kind of like unplugging an intake air temp sensor. You would have a similar code intake air temperature sensor voltage high when it should be let's say two volts or one volt depending on the temperature of the intake now it's to say open circuit voltage it's five volts so if you see 12 volts on that little white wire commonly used on this circuit throughout let's say toyotas you should see zero you'll see the p0a0d the vehicle will not power up you'll have a tow-in situation very commonly that orange high voltage battery service disconnect has not been compressed it's been extended not unlatched it's still in the battery pack it's still giving you that short to where all those battery modules are in series but you didn't close it properly on fords they have a lot of connections of the high voltage orange cables if they're not plugged in firmly a watchdog circuit that is another couple of contacts in addition to the big orange cable contacts does the same thing. Covers, let's say on a Chevrolet or a Cadillac full-size SUV two-mode hybrid, a cover that says uh, two-mode over on the right fender area. It covers the inverter and converter assemblies. You remove that cover with a tamper-proof torque screw to get at those components. You're not really going to do any work yet. You just want to look at them. That cover has a built-in shorting bar for this high-voltage 
leak detection, or I should say high voltage watchdog circuit, the high voltage interlock cable. So you see the P0A0D, look for a low voltage watchdog circuit wire that may not be a closed circuit making good contacts. Another tech tip, if you have a sensation of the uh, the vehicle jerking at low speed, or maybe you hear some chattering noise. You put it in neutral, and you push it across the shop floor, and it kind of catches. You can almost see the motor mounts kind of move a little bit as the engine kind of lurches as it catches every foot or so. That's probably going to be accompanied by an inverter performance code, DTC. And it could be the inverter on one of those three phases with an issue, let's say a partial short. It could be one of those three orange cables going to motor generator number two. That's hooked to the wheels, so when you push the vehicle or drive the vehicle, that sensation of the catching occurs. It could also be the actual windings of the stator assembly in motor generator number two, let's say, for example, in a Ford or a Toyota. So what you do is, leaving the vehicle in neutral and using your proper shutdown procedures and your high-voltage safety gloves, you take the inverter cables loose from the inverter and you tape them up. You remove them from the inverter, you tape them up, the ones that lead to motor generator number two. And while it's in neutral, you push the vehicle very slowly in the bay and you see if the catching condition goes away. If it does, you've just diagnosed a bad inverter. If it doesn't, then it could be the cable itself has a chafe to ground or some issue where it's causing a short on one of those three phases. So the next step is you do the same removal procedure with safety gloves down at the actual transaxle itself. So now you'll tape up the other end. Now you have basically three orange cables that are removed at each end and taped up. So no longer are they connected to any components. Now if you move the vehicle in neutral, and if the catching sensation is gone, the problem was the cable. By the way, if the catching sensation was gone when you removed it the first time from the inverter, it's a bad inverter. But if the problem is still there, then the catching sensation is caused by the transaxle itself, and you're justified in removing that transaxle and finding a replacement. So these are just a few of the little test tips we give when we do a full four or even eight hour hands-on hybrid training class. I hope we'll see you in one soon. So I want to go ahead and end out our Delphi Auto Parts cast by thanking you for your time today. Hopefully you've got some good usable techniques and tips, a little bit more information about hybrids. There's a video on the web on how to make money selling hybrids. It has also some good tech tips as well. So be sure to visit our next Delphi Auto Parts cast coming up soon. And also go to the YouTube page and see yours truly and some other good talented Delphi people talking about and doing demonstrations on servicing vehicles of all makes and models and all kinds on the Delphi.com forward slash Delphi Technologies. I should say YouTube.com forward slash Delphi Technologies. Also, www.DelphiAutoParts.com. Don't forget to check that. Make that a favorite. Look at the Delphi Parts Catalog and get some of those great Delphi fuel pumps, mass airflow sensors, you name it. And if you have a question for me or anybody on the Delphi team, please contact us at delphi.podcast at delphi.com. I'm Dave Hobbs, Master Certified ASE L1 and L3. That's the hybrid. Hopefully we can help you in the future with more hybrid training and information. Thanks for watching. Bye.